I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Listen, this is Bitches on Comics, and I'm Sarah Century, here with my co-host, Essie Fleenor. And today we have a very special guest. Hi, I'm Samantha Puck. I am the managing editor at ComicsBeat.com, and I'm also a freelance witch for various publications. I would love to, I know it's a little bit off topic, but I would love to actually hear about Fat Venture Mag. Um, I'm also a person of size. So I'm like very intrigued by like, how did that come about and how are you funding it? And, and just tell us about Fat Venture Mag. Cool. Okay. Uh, So Fat Venture Mag was actually uh, an idea that I came up with, with a friend of mine, Alice Lesperance, and we started talking about it in late 2017. Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. And it was kind of a conversation of just like, I'm a fat person and I'm really into bicycling. And there were a few of my friends that were coming to me and saying like, hey, like I really want some resources for how to get into this outdoorsy activity as a fat person. And everything that I'm finding is super weight loss focused. And that's not why I want to do this. So can you help? And Alice and I were talking about it and we were like, you know, this feels like a void that needs to be filled. So then as any good uh, millennial in (laughs) journalism or publishing or any creative field really would do, we went to Twitter and we said, hey, 
would anybody be interested in helping us put this together? We don't know what it's going to look like yet. And the tweet absolutely blew up. We got hundreds of responses within like a week. And most people wanted to either write or draw. So that was where the idea for a zine came in. And we funded our first two issues through Kickstarter, which we probably will continue to do unless Kickstarter United asks for a boycott, in which case we will not be doing that. But yeah, so we're actually, we're working on our second issue right now. And I just got the proofs from our design editor. So I have to go through those this week. And then we'll be shipping those out either December or January. And then in 2020, we have some big plans that haven't really been hammered out yet. So I don't want to talk about them. (laughs) We Definitely, we have things in the works and I'm very excited about it. And I really love the people that we've gotten to work with and the stories that we've gotten to feature. And the response has just been like absolutely bananas. We never expected it to be as big as it has become. So it's very exciting. That's awesome. And where does it overlap with comics for you? First and foremost, we have a lot of comic artists (laughs) that participate in our zines. And we actually, in the second issue, we actually have a couple of literal comic strips, which is really cool. But I think for me, like my focus when I do culture critique is very much on representation of queer characters and also representation of fat people. So when I write about television, when I write about movies, when I write about comics, one of the things that I'm always kind of thinking about is the body diversity of the piece and how people of size are represented. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually currently working on developing a monthly column for the beat that will deal with just explicitly fat characters and how they're represented. So I'm pretty excited. Oh my God. I can't wait. That sounds incredible. I'm pretty excited about it. So if y'all have title suggestions, by the way, feel free to hit me up. (laughs) terrible at that yeah (laughs) I I will literally think of nothing else for the next three days perfect I love it (laughs) I'm on it (laughs) so yeah that's amazing. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I'm just like, oh, my God, I get to talk to Samantha of Fat Venture Magazine. I'm so happy. Oh, so. my gosh. Oh, gosh. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, Sarah, you had some questions, yeah? So, yeah, I was just wondering how you feel about the role of criticism right now, because you're working, obviously, you know, through Comics Beat. There's a lot of discussion about comic books as an individual media, right? Uh-huh. So. The idea that everything is a giant corporation right now, other than things that are really underground and diverse, I'm just curious what you think about the role of criticism right now, whenever it comes to comics. So this is interesting, because I was actually just talking about this with uh, another colleague. But I think that in general, in comics, and this is something that my partner and I talk about a lot as well, they're an academic and they study history and labor movements and the intersection of literature and culture. So... We talk a lot about how comics journalism and comics critique as a whole very much feels as if people get into it because they love comics, which I think is great, Mm -hmm. but then they don't ever want to talk about the problems in comics or they get into comics journalism because they want to create comics and they see that as a way to like get their foot in the door, Mm -hmm. which I think is difficult for me to parse because like I have a journalism background and so my instinct is always to tell the truth regardless of sort of who it may affect and especially if when it comes to criticizing a corporation or like a publisher like Marvel or DC or Image you know those are companies that have a huge amount of sway over what we ingest across all forms of media, but especially comics. And I think that if we don't look at sort of what they're doing wrong 
and hold it up to the light and say, this is wrong and this is why, then those problems just continue to occur and often just get worse. And then people feel emboldened to write transphobic content or to write fatphobic content or to write racist content. And they feel like that's okay because that's the kind of stuff that's been upheld by their heroes who are working for hire for these companies. I think in general, the role of a critic is to not only recognize the good things, but to also recognize the problems and to be, for lack of a better word, brave enough to say, hey, what are you doing about this and how are you working to change it? And then if people aren't working to change it, then we need to examine why and we need to challenge them to do that, if that yeah. makes sense. It super makes sense. We follow each other on Twitter, so you've probably heard me pop off on rants sometimes where I'm talking about the importance of especially feminist criticism and generally people who aren't very well represented, I guess, in comics and comics criticism. The angle of Carol Danvers and the Avengers and all of that terrible Marcus storyline or something, that was something that nobody really was examining and it wasn't making it to the letters pages until like Carol Strickland writes her essay about it, calling it out. And then Chris Claremont reads that essay and you know, gives her a completely different character trajectory that makes her much more empowered and it addresses the assault and like all of those kind of things, right? Yeah. So that's absolutely. like all the way back to the late 70s. So it's been for a long time that comics criticism has had this really important role, I think, because it is such a homogenous hiring pool or has been for such a long time. It's yeah. changing now, obviously, but that's Slowly. because of, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's because of constant pressure <laughs> that's yeah, been being absolutely. applied by critics for like years now yeah absolutely well, I think, you know, Sarah and I frequently talk about whenever we're talking about a comic, we're like, let me tell you why I love this. And let me tell you the things I have to set aside to love this. Or yeah. let me tell you the things that I don't set aside, but like make it really hard to reread this now that I'm not 15, now that I'm not whatever. Well, we found at least the podcast people appreciate that. I know for me, like, I would rather if someone was going to hand me a work that has problems in it, they just be honest about it. The uh -huh. hardest thing is when I open a piece and I'm like, oh, good, a fat joke or oh, uh -huh. good, a horrific rape scene. Uh -huh. Oh, good, queer phobia, whatever it is. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, good Lord, we got to do better than that. That's, and that's what, And that's oh, even yeah. like a, a casual way of describing criticism, right? Like, that's not even like fully engaging in like the history as you're talking about Sarah but I think it's just imperative yeah I would agree when you talk about that stuff it reminds me very specifically of what a huge Poison Ivy fan I am and how often there's a long disclaimer before you hand a Poison Ivy comic to somebody because you're like listen I'm sorry she's great but what happens to her maybe is not great in this story or something you know you kind of yeah, there's those characters sure. that seem really targeted you know like especially characters that are like sexy characters or something like that a lot of those characters get just repeatedly targeted by a series of different writers so yeah. I think about characters like that where you kind of have to disclaimer everything it's interesting to me how much I still love that character I guess you know do you have characters like that also yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I think there's this kind of weird idea that you can either love something or you can hate something and you can't like love something and also acknowledge that it has problems. I still think about that when I mm -hmm. engage with media, especially because like, I really love The Punisher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
but I don't engage with most Punisher fans because right. they're like hyper masculine, super misogynistic weirdos who don't actually understand the purpose of the Punisher as a character, you know, and like in the comics and in the the Netflix series, he allies himself with women and victims of trauma. And Mm -hmm. he is very much taking down these establishment forces that have totally co-opted his logo to be like, Oh yeah, the Punisher. And it's like, no, like you missed the point. You missed the point, you know? And so that's really tough. It's one of those things where it's like, I often say to people that there are many men in comics that I avoid Mm -hmm. because I don't enjoy reading their work because it upsets me or because I feel like it lacks nuance or because it's just bad. Right. And in the same vein, there are many, many corners of fandom and critic circles and things of that nature that I don't touch with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Same. My own mental health, but also because like I'm a Taurus son, so I'm extremely stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is the SE. Like you're wrong. Like you're wrong. And I'm going to make sure that you know that you're wrong. But usually what ends up happening is I just get frustrated. <laughs> and oh, so yeah. it doesn't seem worth it in the end, you know? <laughs> Yeah. One of my very favorite characters is Deadpool. And I feel like Deadpool and Punisher are so similar in that way. A little bit different, right? Because Deadpool is like pretty canonically queer. And it's like, whatever. The people who don't think he's queer, it's like, that's your problem. You're wrong. Um, Like, enjoy your tiny world because you don't understand how great it is over here. But fine. And I remember like the day that I realized who else loved Deadpool. I was like, (laughs) my God, we have nothing. No, you can't have him either, though. I'm not going to, like, give up on Deadpool just because, like, you're here. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, and, like, last week I recorded an episode of DC Super Sons about Watchmen, and they asked me to come on and talk about Watchmen because they're two cishet white guys who run this podcast, and they were like, we can't discuss Watchmen alone. Like, we need another perspective. And I was like, okay, so... I went on this podcast with them and, you know, one of the things that we talked about was something that a friend of mine pointed out, which is that if a certain type of guy says to you, I love Watchmen, it sets off more red flags than if like a woman or a queer person of color or someone who's not a cishet white guy says, I love Watchmen, because you know that there's probably been more examination of the text from the latter than from the former. Right. And there are definitely instances where like, I mean, just I think about a month ago, I went to a dinner with my partner with their graduate cohort and one of their cohort's friends came along and we ended up talking about comics because of my line of work. And this person's friend said, oh, I love comics. Like Watchmen is my favorite comic. And I was like, cool. And I literally got up and left the table. I was like, I can't can't get into this right now because it's not even my dinner. Like it's my partner's dinner. Like I can't, I can't do this. (laughs) Yeah. No, fair enough. I hate it because I go over to people's houses and Watchmen will be like the only comic book on their shelves or something. And I'm like, God, that sucks. (laughs) Well, that's so ubiquitous because like I read Watchmen in college because I wanted to impress a boy. uh, You know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, Sarah. Did that physically hurt you, Sarah? <laughs> it kind of did. Um, yeah. This was I, long before I figured out that I was not into dudes, just for the sure. record. Like, <laughs> I was like 15, definitely already had a girlfriend. And like, I uh, went to the comic store and this guy who is like 40 years old handed me Watchmen and was like, well, you have to buy Watchmen, blah, 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 you know? 
And then I remember reading it and being like, this is really great. And then thinking about that exchange a lot later and just being like, I wonder why this guy who was like that age felt so comfortable handing me this comic where all of this really intense graphic violence against women and queer people happens. It seemed very strange in hindsight. In the moment, I was like, cool. I'm like a teenage edgelord. I'm going to listen to The Misfits and read Watchmen. <laughs> oh, big mood. Big mood. Yep. Highly relatable content. Yeah. But like also, uh, like yeah, totally. And talk to my girlfriend about like how good Watchmen is. Like, I am Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> oh, God. But like, yep. I'm not. And nor should me. you want to be. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting to like look back on it and be kind of like, it's all of these like rudimentary concepts it's some stuff like whenever I was 15 the existentialism of Dr. Manhattan was like whoa and now I'm not 15 and I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like a, that's an amazing clip I would like I hope that we like actually clip that whoa to Oh, <laughs> a very important difference. I really liked it. Very important. Yes. Yeah. Not to turn this into like the hating on Watchmen or people who read Watchmen podcasts, but it's definitely, I get what you're saying where it's kind of just such the ubiquitous comic that I think we all kind of <laughs> look at it now. And of course, that's why, you know, Women Write Watchmen was such a fun series to be a part of, too, was is that it was all of the people that nobody ever listens to <laughs> about their Absolutely. opinions. Absolutely. Hands down. So I have more questions. One of them is, what are some comics that you are super stoked about lately? Like, what have you been reading that is blowing your mind? Oh, my God. Okay, so true story. 10 minutes before y'all called me for this podcast, I finished reading the Black Cat Annual and it's perfect. It's the perfect one shot. It touches all of the ship buttons that I want. <laughs> right, Felicia Hardy and Peter Parker. And I just, I love it. I was so excited about it. Obviously that's fresh off the top of my head. And what was um, the title again? It's the Black Cat Annual. So cool. Felicia's got her own ongoing and then she got an annual that comes right before her ongoing. And Jed Mackey is just like killing it with the characterization. Speaking of, you know, men who can write <laughs> well-nuanced women that are interesting and in character and feel like they are existing for themselves and not just for the men in their lives. Like the way that he writes Felicia Hardy is so good and I cannot recommend it enough. And I hope that Marvel keeps that series going for a very long time. Yeah. Somebody was talking about the Black Cat Annual right before I got on this call. I think it was Allison off of Twitter was oh, talking yes. about I how... Oh, her about it in DMs. <laughs> yes. I knew it. Friend of yes. the podcast, Allison from Twitter. Yep. But yeah, so the Black Cat Annual is amazing. Let me think what else. We So it's that time of year where we're working on like our best of 2019 comics list at the beat. I really, really love IDW's Canto. Oh, yeah. Is, Oh, it's so good. It's just like, it's this story about these little furnace robot people who, when they're like created or born, they have their hearts removed and replaced with clocks. Mm -hmm. And then when their time runs out on their clock, they get fed to the furnace and that's their life. And they're slaves. They feed these furnaces all day. That's all that they do. And they're like not supposed to have names. It's kind of a heavy book, especially for like a kid's book. But the main character, Kanto, his beloved gives him that name. And then she gets hurt by one of the slavers 
years. And so Kanto goes to find her heart to replace her clocks so that she doesn't die. And it's just, it's so, I was so surprised, but like I've cried through every single issue of that comic. It's really good. I picked up like issue three or something just in the middle of the story. And yeah, I was blown away by that comic. It's really beautiful. I'm going to pick up the rest as soon as I can. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. I love it. If you're going to read it, have tissues ready. Cause like I was falling through almost all of it. And then I really, really loved basically everything that First Second put out this year. Laura Dean Key's Breaking Up With Me, Bloom. What are some other titles that they released this year that were just excellent? A bunch. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else off the top of my head. And then I've also been really, really enjoying the Boom series Ghosted in LA by Cine Grace. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. It's really fun. So like I wasn't sure about it at first because I was kind of like, this looks like it could be like kind of dumb. But it's about this girl who follows her high school sweetheart to Los Angeles for college. And then he breaks up with her because he doesn't like girls. And she ends up moving into this mansion with all of these ghosts of, like, various time periods. And it's super weird. (laughs) But it's, like, kind of fun. And I like the writing style. And I think that the art is fantastic. What other ones? Well, like, I'm keeping up with X-Men and the Dawn of X and all of that. One of the releases this week was bad. Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from everything because the takes are too much for me. So I'm just kind of muting everything and like trying really hard. Okay, I pulled up my League of Comic Geeks account so that I can actually tell you like what I'm reading because every single time somebody asks me, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Have either of you read the Spider-Man Venom Double Trouble book? Okay, issue one came out last week. It's a three-issue mini. And it is probably the cutest thing that I have ever read in my entire life. I saw a cover, I think. Yeah, it's through here art. And then I think it's Mariko Tamaki on the script. Oh, wow. Cool. It's it's so good. They're roommates. (laughs) And like Peter's life is just extremely difficult. (laughs) And I enjoy seeing Peter Parker suffer. Yes, same. At least a little bit. So, you know, that's kind of fun. Um, Jay Jonah Jameson's over here. I'm really enjoying the Lois Lane series right now. I have like uh, opposite feelings on that, but every time I start to read it, I'm like, oh, I want to love this so much, but I have, I haven't really gotten sold on it. I think it's mostly because it's such like a question story for me. So while I was reading it, I just keep being like, yeah, Renee Montoya. <laughs> and then Ken yeah. was like, oh, um, so like Lois is in this book too, I guess. Yeah, that's valid. I'm just a sucker for intrepid girl reporter stories. I love Lois. Like, she's my favorite. So I'll have to jump back in and check on it. Because the last one I read was number three, which to me, it was just Superman apologizing for, like, centralizing himself in a book. But it was, like, centralizing him in the book. <laughs> while yes, he was no, this doing is it. true. I think that four and five are better than that. But, like, cool. I understand why once you read three, you were like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll come back. I, I, like, I can't quit Lois. Like, I have a problem. <laughs> She's great. She's really yeah, great. I'm obsessed. Um, if y'all haven't read Cosmo Nights, you need to get on that. I haven't read it. What is it? So it's Hannah Templar, and it's actually available as a free webcomic. And then it was also published as a graphic novel through Top Shelf. Oh, okay. It's really good. It's about lesbians in space overthrowing the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's my it, favorite. It's great. It's great. No, it's I great. Just, uh, I just pulled it up online. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, it's great. Uh, definitely worth reading if you have not done that yet. And I, I believe not. it's going to be at least two volumes. It might be three. I cannot recall. I'm devastated over the ending of Giant Days. Oh, like, I didn't read it. For years and years. was like, I'm going to read Giant Days. I'm going to read Giant Days. And then I never did because, you know, my to-read list is like 14 miles long. Yep. And then when I found out that it was ending... I love to read something that has an ending because I know that I'm going to get through it all right. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to read it. I read the whole series in like two weeks and I just loved every single second of it. And then when I read the finale, I was so sad because it was like, oh no, like we're not getting anything new with these characters. But then also like it's a very good, very tight arc that takes place over a really like specific period of time when they're in college. Like, you know that there's an end point. And I really love the character development and the voices and just everything about it. So I've been reading Queen of Bad Dreams, which is amazing. Yeah. Like, Danny Lore, right? Yeah. So good. And then The Plot, which is super creepy. And I love, it's only got two issues so far, but like, it's very good. I've also been reading Money Shot, which I don't know. <laughs> On the surface, Money Shot seems like it would be really terrible because it's about scientists who, when their research funding is cut, they start making porn with aliens. <laughs> and it's called Money Shot. All and of it's these called things. Money Shot. And you're like, mm, this is not going to be good. But like, no, it's really excellent, actually. Gotcha. <laughs> like, I. Money Shot was on my list of things to ask you about because I saw that you wrote an article about it and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's actually, I was pleasantly surprised by Money Shot. But I, okay, so disclaimer my favorite comic of all time is Sex Criminals, which comes back in January, which I'm very excited about. Oh, um, I didn't know that yet. Yes. One more arc starting in January. Gotcha. Yes. When it's been forever. And so I'm very (laughs) glad that they're finishing that story. But Mm. the thing that I love about sex criminals is the way that it handles mental health, because I think that it does so in a really good way that I think a lot of other comics just kind of skimp over, but it deals with trauma and it deals with therapy and it deals with, you know, this character who has depression and who has to deal with that and how it affects his romantic relationship and his sex drive and his relationship to the world at large and it does that really really well so I appreciate sex criminals a lot even though again the subject matter of that makes you kind of go huh (laughs) yeah and like it's it's not something I recommend to everybody because as soon as the word sex criminals people are like what (laughs) I'm gonna skip out on that I think that, like, there was, well, first of all, there was my media blackout, 2010 to, like, 2015. I just didn't watch, like, any popular movies or, like, look at televisions at all. And, like, you know, really involved in, like, underground art and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, like, I stepped out of it kind of to be like, wow, I wonder where that X-Men fandom (laughs) is that I was part of for a while. And then it's like, oh, all of this other stuff happened. I didn't go past the third X-Men film, like. <laughs> I'm just well, now that was watching probably those. for the best. I'm watching them now and it's kind of hilarious because I feel like it's this huge emotional growth period for me because of it because I'm just like, oh, these are all the things that I was like absolutely not. I will never watch those movies. They are garbage and now I'm kind of like, you know what? X-Men Wolverine Origins is kind of funny. It's fine. It's I like say a- that I <laughs> cried my eyes out during Logan. Yeah, I have yet to cry, I guess, during any of the X-Men movies, but... I hope to soon. I uh, you hope I, to cry at <laughs> movies soon? Yeah. What does I, that mean? I cry during movies all of the time. If I walk into a room where a movie is playing, sometimes I'll just have a single tear like roll down my cheek because I'm just like, wow, movies—they're really moving, aren't they? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's wild. 
I love that. A movie playing and it's like totally this barrier vanishes where I'm just like, Spider-Man just wants the best for Mary Jane. And like, it's like every single emotion that's been held back or something, all of a sudden I'm just like, I'm here to feel it, which is why I go to Avengers Endgame and I just like have one tear rolling down my cheek the entire time for like three and a half hours. And to me, that's kind of expression therapy or something. Super cathartic, dude. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for doing that. Finding a way that you can cry is super awesome and like really important, actually. And it it turns out that it's just anytime somebody like a character talks to another character in a movie, I just like start weeping. Oh God. I am definitely like a very easy weeper. Um, Like I cry at everything. My partner makes fun of me because we'll be in bed in the morning and I'll get on my phone and get on Facebook or whatever and there'll be like a video of like a porcupine eating a pumpkin <laughs> and I'm like in tears. Tears. Just crying. Um, there was a there was a Tumblr blog that was like reasons my wife is crying. <laughs> and Reed, after we got married, Reed would just like send me posts from reasons my wife is crying and be like, this is you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It is. It, it is. is I can't it's do fine. much about it. I need to find that website and send it to my partner. He is always just bawling his eyes out about everything. Yeah. You know, solidarity. Sometimes you just gotta, just gotta let it out. I I love it. Half the time I'll be fine. And then I'll look at him and, and there's just like tears pouring down his face. And then I start crying and I'm like, I don't even, I'm not that moved. I just like, you're crying. So now I'm crying. And here we are just bawling our eyes out, watching a commercial for fucking whatever, you know? I used to do that as a kid. My aunt used to babysit me and like some of the neighborhood kids. And if any of the younger kids cried, I would also cry. (laughs) That's cute. So yeah. that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> I always like felt, you know what? This is like the therapy hour now, but I <laughs> I always felt like I had to be super responsible and in charge of everything. And of course, I just discussed this whole time period where I was like, I will not watch a blockbuster ever. I will not watch this thing that is moving to all of the people. I won't. And now I'm like, oh, Which no. Which I think is really just building on your 15-year-old edgelord persona. It really is kind it's just of. just a different phase. Yeah, totally. Back then I was crying through my heavy eyeliner kind of situation where I was like, look at this. This is my tears world. And now. <laughs> look like Spinel. Some shit like that. You would be Spinel, I think, kind of. I'm so excited to rewatch Recess, gotta say. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. My nephew's been watching it lately. It's held up. What do you have that's coming up? that we should be looking out for. The second issue of Fat Venture Mag is set to come out in a couple months. Um, we're a little bit behind on production right now because of, you know, various life things, but we're getting there, which I'm really excited about because it has some really excellent, excellent work from some people that I really admire, which is great. Uh, Sarah Stern actually did our cover, which is wonderful. She's the best. Working on that that column about fat characters for the beat, um, which I'm hoping to debut in December, and then it'll be once a month. I am also working on a piece for bitch magazine about the importance of sort of breaking down and dismantling the I was fat origin story. So yes, it's been a really cool piece. I actually got to interview some people who have been very vocal in the, the not your before movement, which has been really cool. And then I am like an idiot participating in national novel writing month this month. Yes. So am I. Yeah. It's really horrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I've been having a fun time with it, but just because I'm like 
don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, okay, so I did NaNoWriMo for the first time in 2011. Oh, this is my first one. This is only my second time because oh, then gotcha. after 2011, I was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. So, and in 2011, I wrote, you know, I hit the word count of 50K and I was like, yeah, I did it. I wrote a book. I did not write a book. I wrote oh, yeah. a 50,000 word character study of <laughs> one character. There was no plot, like nothing happened, <laughs> but I really got inside this girl's head. So like, yeah. You know, Fine. So I accomplished something, I guess. But then, so this time around, I actually wrote about 50,000 words across two parts of a three-part fan fiction for a fandom that I will not reveal in 2013. And then I decided that I wanted to take all of that and turn it into an actual YA novel. And so I ripped the first two parts off of Archive of Our Own and then proceeded to lose the files, (laughs) as you do. So that's what I'm writing for NaNoWriMo this year. I am starting completely from scratch with this idea that I had in 2013 and wrote most of it and lost. So right now I'm, I'm at about 37 K. Yeah. And I'm probably going to hit closer to like 70 or 80 before the end of the month. That's been an adventure. That's been interesting. And then on the flip side of that, my agent and I have been pitching a nonfiction essay collection for quite some time now. And she was like, let's work on another nonfiction book. And I was like, actually, <laughs> I'm going to write this young adult novel. And she was Guess like, what? okay, so <laughs> luckily she's been cool with that. So it's it's been very different for me just because I don't write fiction. I write essays and I write critiques and I write news. I don't, I don't develop stories, but um, I am DMing my first Dungeons & Dragons campaign. And it has cool. really kind of gotten me with the fiction bug. So... Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. So, yeah, is the best. That's some stuff that I'm working on at the moment. Yay. That's all really exciting. Yeah. That's amazing. I have one last question, Sarah. Do you have any? Um, I think I'm good. Uh, unless you want to tell me more favorite comics. Actually, I did not mention Goddess Mode. And oh, that was yeah. a mistake. Because Goddess Mode was fantastic. Right, yeah. And I wish that they had been given more issues because I could spend so much time in that world. That has to be a comic of the week for us coming up because, yeah, it was fantastic. Done. Check plus. We will do it. So, Samantha, who are your favorite bitches from comics? Is it cheating to say everyone in Bitch Planet? No. (laughs) Nope. Specifically Penny. Uh, Yeah, Penny's... Penny's my fave. I talked to Kelly Sue DeKronick about Penny at Rose City this year and like almost cried because she just, she's the best. And I'm so grateful that that character exists. Well, Felicia Hardy, obviously, we've already talked about. She's perfect. Literally flawless character. Okay. I do want you to know that my first reaction to this question was Kylo Ren, but I don't actually like Kylo Ren. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Happen to agree with the sentiment that Kylo Ren is a punk ass bitch. So like that was my first instinct does Matt Murdock count as a bitch in comics yeah anybody yeah. can be a bitch and yeah, he's sassy me. you know I mean like, he is a bitch we're he's talking a, about someone boy. he's a fuck boy he's sassy he yeah. has always just like a sea of women around him trying to fix his problems for him yeah. I was or gonna say no. he gets laid a lot like Constantly. that seems like an important thing for um, I can't think of her name right now but the seer in the Moonstruck series who works at the Black Cat Cafe <laughs> is so wonderful. And then, okay, as many problems as the Umbrella Academy has, I really do love the White Violin. Agreed. Oh, you know what? Kate Bishop totally counts. Ah, uh, Kate. 
for this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot of Marvel characters. Can you tell that I write the Marvel beat for the beat? Because Seriously? it's all the time. Um. <laughs> and they're just, they're the ones that are at the forefront of everybody's minds lately too, you know? Cause it's yeah. like, there's so much around them these days that yeah. you, it's like the most prominent Lumpy Space Princess. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Lumpy Space Princess. <laughs> I actually have a tattoo of Lumpy Space Princess. Stop, yeah, you do not. She is, well, she's not really riding the bike because she doesn't have legs, but she's, she's riding a bike. And around her in banners are the lyrics, girl, you got it, there you go. <laughs> are you and kidding it's my, me? favorite tattoo this is the greatest story i've ever heard (laughs) and well and when i got it i biked like 18 miles to my tattoo shop and i said hey i have this weird idea for a tattoo and my artist was like i I fucking love that like we absolutely must do that and i said okay great and then i biked 18 miles home and then a couple weeks later i went back on the bus this time so i didn't have to bike home and she did it and it was great it's a great tattoo that's yeah in the same vein um marceline yeah my sweet girl forever i actually was just talking to somebody today about how marceline and the scream queens is like one of the top 50 queer stories in comics in the last 10 years like easily yeah i think you're right about that yeah (laughs) that has to be like top 10 you know that's definitely up there yeah Susie from sex criminals yeah one of my favorite bitches in comics for sure Oh, and you know what? The portrayal of Zeus in the Matt Fraction Christian Ward Odyssey book. Oh, I haven't read just, that. It's perfect. She's perfect. <laughs> she's this fat woman who just like, I mean, she's Zeus. And so Zeus is like the worst, right? Like everybody just, everybody knows that Zeus is fucking terrible. And mm-hmm. in this version of Odyssey, Zeus is a woman and she just gives no fucks. And she is so powerful and so commanding. And I just, I love her. I also think that this is technically cheating because she only recently appeared in comics when they started adapting like the Disney animated movies into Dark Horse comics. But I'm going to say Ursula. (laughs) (laughs) It Um, counts. Yeah. She definitely, like, she has to count, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even whenever she first appears in like the Little Mermaid by like Hans Christian Andersen or whatever, like the short story. She doesn't appear really like she's just referred to as the sea witch or something, and they don't really talk about her. But you're just like, who's yes. the sea witch? Yes. Like, <laughs> Same. Um, oh, and oh, God, Emma Frost. I knew I can't it. Believe that, that wasn't the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> I knew it. Every person says Emma Frost eventually. She's like they'll the make it around witch. to it. She That's, really is. She's just. She's so good. I actually have an Emma Frost Funko Pop on my desk. <laughs> she keeps me company while I write about things. Off the top of my head, those are some of my favorite bitches in comics. Yes, those Perfect. are some of our favorite bitches in comics. Oh, That's, for sure. That, just, that Venn diagram is pretty much a circle. Excellent. <laughs> I love that. I love that a lot. So, <laughs> Sam Smith, thank you so much. This was like super fun. It's awesome. Oh my gosh! To thank talk you. To you. I'm and... so excited that you guys had me on. This was really great. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out to us, Samantha. Where can people find you? I am the verbal thing on all of the social media platforms, and then, like I said, I'm the managing editor for ComicsBeat.com. So you can find most of my writing there. And if you're interested in my other writing, which is not strictly about comics, then you can go to theverbalthing.com. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. 
With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Sarah, something I've been thinking about a lot is how people can support our podcast. Oh, what'd you come up with? Well, I had an idea, and this one's like a low cost. This is something you can do with just when you have a little time on the bus or uh, while you're sitting waiting for the bus, because, I mean, right? Spend your whole life waiting for the bus. Truly. Is rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, we're going to ask you to give us five stars, but baby, you got to tell us why you got to give us those five stars. This week's comic of the week is Superman's Christmas Adventure from all the way back in 1940 by Gary Siegel. Art by Jack Burnley. This <laughs> is like both of us want to talk at the same time because this is the best comic we've ever read. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's wow. on DC Universe, which I want to make very clear because I think everybody should go read this comic because it is one of the best Superman stories I've ever read in my life. It's hard to find, but if you're going to use DC Universe, go to where you can search by characters and then you can add a filter of year. Mm-hmm. And so if you do the filter 1940 to 1941 and do the Superman for the character, then it's like somewhere in there. Not that hard to see because it's the one with Santa on the cover. Right. I name searched it and had a hard time finding it. Yeah, I had a really hard time. This was the first comic I read on DC Universe, which is how I found it. (laughs) I looked back a year ago and this was the first one that I had picked up because I... What made you pick it up? Because I think I was doing an article about Super Family Christmas stories. And I was just doing a general search, and I found this one. And it well, has got a, real a gem. bright yellow cover with Superman and Santa. The background is bright yellow, but they're on a rooftop. It is bonkers just to begin with. <laughs> it's out of control already. Like It's the cover, and it already doesn't make any sense. The story <laughs> revolves around two forgotten great villains. Oh, my God. Mr. Grouch. No, Dr. Dr. Grouch. Grouch. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie. Okay, which one would you be? I think Mr. Meanie. I think I'm Dr. Grouch. (laughs) That actually is the new name of the podcast. Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie. Thank you for tuning in. To Dr. Grouch. And Mr. Meanie. And your part. (laughs) This is our our podcast where we don't like toys or children. (laughs) 
Actually, in fact, we will take axes to children's <laughs> toys rather than to let the them orphanage. have joy. It was bonkers. Oh my god, you're right. It was the orphanage. So yeah, these two guys just decide that they hate Christmas so much that they're just going to wreck it with axes. <laughs> and when you find out why they hate Christmas, it's like, because. Their um, whole response is... Yeah, because, you know, people smiling. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when I was oh. a, When I was a child, oh, you know what it is? It's like the fucking baby boomer thing. Whenever when I, I was, was a child, little kid, I had hard times, and so now you have you easy have times, and I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're so relatable and so likable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really like them. And just because they're so funny, every time they show up, they're just saying things that don't make any sense and hitting things with axes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I love it because we talked about this before, but like I love the dialogue. It's so stilted in this Yes, comic. I will go to there also with you now. Yes, Dr. Grouch. Every bubble is like, Dr. Grouch, Mr. Grouch, Mr. Meanie, Meanie Grouch, Grouch, Meanie, Meanie, Grouch, Grouch, Grouch. It's like, why are you saying your name so much? You're the only two people in the room. So Lois just knows who they are. Oh my God, right? <laughs> She's. She goes. Oh yeah, totally. This is Doctor Grouch and Mister Meanie, isn't it? Who? How did you know them? Is there any previous context? Lois, what's happening? Yeah, and Lois's dialogue is the only dialogue that isn't totally stilted, which makes it even funnier because oh, yeah. she's. Why are you looking at these trains, Clark? And like pushes him along, and he's yes, Lois. I will go with you now. <laughs> the other funny thing is that they kidnap Lois and then. <laughs> Strap her to a rocket and shoot her into the sky. I love it because that's literally just a day that ends with Y for Lois Lane. Totally. And she's so casual about yeah, it. Yeah, Superman flies up, gets her, dropped her off on the roof she for goes, Daily Hell. Bugle. She's like, all right, fine. <laughs> then, she says, actually, not quite because she says, I haven't had time to thank you. And he says, no need to thank me. <laughs> like, <laughs> flies away. And then, literally the next panel, Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie find her again and kidnap her. <laughs> She's like, oh, this keeps happening. It's like hot potato. They're just playing hot potato with Lois. And like, Lois is, is so leans into it. Oh, she's so she has a great it. yellow jacket. She looks amazing. She is the oh, best part. So cool. Oh, wow. Yes, I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Let me count the ways that I love Lois Lane. Her whole story is hilarious. And then Superman has a little boy who he's trying to teach lessons oh my to. Oh, God. Hey, like rich in- kid, why don't you get involved in philanthropy? Well, he's, like, he's like, come with me. I'll peek through people's windows At with ch- you. Crying children. Why are they crying? Oh, because you're a jerk. <laughs> Seriously. But also it's like this is literally the way we say not to teach children about (laughs) poverty and whatnot look at that crying kid they seem poor huh (laughs) you want to be poor you want to cry you don't all right good luck that is extended (laughs) the lesson yeah he doesn't say so then do something different he's just like now you know we could you could be crying alone in a room (laughs) (laughs) we could help these kids but we're not gonna do that right now i've got important things with santa i'm just trying to teach a rich kid a moral lesson right now and so he does kind of though i doubt that it's stuck also i really doubt that the lesson that he teaches (laughs) dr grouch and mr meanie sticks because at the very end finally when you get through everything 
After the Santa part, which we also have to talk about Santa oh, we because get into Santa. the Santa literally six the elves on these two dastardly foes, and <laughs> that's really funny. Santa just kind of is waiting for Superman to show up. Superman, yeah, like he doesn't do anything. I'm like you're so big, fight. Yeah, do something. He's like. Elves, take care of it. <laughs> My slaves, get to it. <laughs> the elves are like, yeah, it's cool. I'm just going to shoot liquid in their faces. Yeah, oh my God, that's right. Like, their fighting is to prank them, basically, and that's not fighting very good <laughs> when you're dealing with really amoral millionaires. But at the end... But right before that, Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie leave. They, like, run away on their ship. And Santa's like, like, worked up because he just got robbed. And an elf, this is like a total throwaway moment. An elf leans over and goes, calm yourself, Santa. They're gone. Just, like, stone cold. Like, oh, my God. That elf has no patience for Santa. I, I, I'm under the impression that Santa makes a very hostile work environment. Yeah, it seems like it. And then the reindeers get drugged. Oh, my God. The reindeers get drugged. That's never happened in a Christmas story ever. This Except in 1940. The best comic I've ever read in my life. It's so good. And then Superman has to help carry Santa's sleigh instead so then oh, all of right. the packages can get delivered. But at the end... Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meany go, oh, oh, like oh, nice people exist. Oh. oh, oh, yeah, we didn't mean to like. Because Superman wants to punish them. Yeah. And Santa's like, no, no, bro, chill. They're like, they know what they He's did. Like, we don't punish billionaires. We only punish children who've been naughty, but <laughs> cold in their things. The gr- Do you not get it? Do you not understand? That's how this works, Superman. We it's call called it- good behavior. <laughs> Superman's like, excuse me. You said good behavior, and I was going to say corporal punishment. (laughs) You know what? Two sides of the same coin. For me, the very greatest part. Of course, Lois was the best part beginning to end. She was the best part of everything. But she in life? In most of my life. Okay. But (laughs) the best, best part is whenever Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie go to apologize to her and share. Her response oh my God. is just to say, oh, well, as long as you've got the Christmas spirit now, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck ever? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm Lois Lane. This is going to happen to me again tomorrow. She's like, I already knew who you were. Think about that. I got strapped to a rocket shot into space, and here I am today. So I don't really know what you think you're going to do. It's like she's been so brutalized. (laughs) She has no capacity to be like, this is not normal or okay. (laughs) She's just like, all right, another day at the office. (laughs) I got shot into space on a rocket. My boyfriend, Clark Kent, nowhere to be found, but... Superman's here, so, you know, whatever. But he's definitely not down to flirt with me because there's no need to thank you, Lois. <laughs> he's like, shut the fuck up. I got God things to it. do. <laughs> you always want to thank me. <laughs> Don't you know I'm busy? It's like, you're Superman. Can't you just take a second? Um, And then the belly flop flying. His oh The way that they draw God. him is so different during this time. So instead there's of- a point where he's like about to land. And instead of landing how we think of Superman landing, right, really graceful with like his pointed toe. And then he just like lowers like Jesus. In this, he's like- Got his belly out. He's like star fishing <laughs> through the sky. And it's like, is he going to destroy Santa's workshop? Like, what? What is happening? This is the best comic ever made. Please this is read it. one of the Please. top 10 Superman stories ever told. I know people are going to say All-Star Superman, Death of Superman, you know, all of those stories that we consider to be in scare quotes classics, but this is the classic Superman story. 
I've never read a better Superman story. It is so delightful. I am neither a huge fan of Superman. I'm not not a fan. I'm just not like a huge fan. I am. Nor am I of <laughs> Christmas. Right. And I'm like, this is delightful. It's delightful. This is one of the best. And this is what I view Christmas as. Now I always think that there's going to be a guy named Dr. Grouch show up and take an axe to everything I own <laughs> and then be like, well, I learned. <laughs> and you're just like, Okay. Well, as long as you got the Christmas spirit. I'd be like, yeah, totally. I mean, Lois says it's cool. What are you up to, Lois? Where are you going? Do you want to have a drink or anything? Yeah, that seems like a great way for things to evolve. Merry Christmas. <laughs> next week whenever we talk about the Christmas classic Have Yourself a Morlock Little Christmas starring the X-Men. You do not want to miss it. If you have questions for Bitches on Comics or if you're a comic creator and want to send us copies of your work please email us at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com b.tchees O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. Gmail does not like the word bitch, so make sure you leave the I out, otherwise we won't get your email. Remember, there is no I in bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash bitchesoncomics, where we have exclusive content. I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can learn more about me at www.sarahcentury.com. Music provided by Earth Control Pill, which you can find at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded and edited by Kate Warner. Learn more about Kate and her band, Churchfire, at churchfiremusic.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.